Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner. Today, we're actually going to have a yarn about money psychology. And if you're listening to this and you're not already, make sure you're on the newsletter. This newsletter is designed to enhance your full stack of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. So head over to fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter, put in your details, and then Charlie will send you some extremely valuable stuff as well. Now, before we get started, like always, Charlie, we shall cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. All right, now I'm going to push you on your own sword on this one, Charlie. Like I, I know your background and sort of your upbringing and things like that. You faced a, a couple of tough times when it's come to money and the psychology and I couldn't even sort of personally relate to it because I come from a sort of a very different side of going, well, family was always quite, I don't know, an abundance of money. Like we were always sort of a household like the Brady Bunch, if you will. So I, I'm curious, like how did you... S- perceive like your biases or non-biases or like your psychology or anything like that in order to get you to kind of where you are now. Like, I don't think this is just an innate ability of just going, I can totally be really good at business and investing. So I'm, I'm curious how you approach this. What a gentle way to say I had some really, I say, hard times. Like it, <laughs> I was trying to be gentle. I was. I feel so nurtured and loved right now. Thank <laughs> you. Was, and I'm just laying you down. Yeah. Share, yeah. share with us. All right, so um, for those that are maybe newer to the podcast or haven't heard me speak before, one of the things uh, that's happened in my lifetime is that I've actually gone through some financially hard times growing up. So my father had a workplace accident, which um, again, wasn't his fault, but essentially he was uh, one day able to be a carpenter. There was a workplace accident where he injured his back and elbow. And then on the back of that, like he lost his business Uh, his relationship deteriorated to a point. My parents actually ended up divorcing on the back of this and I still think this one key event was the cause and it was really one of those circumstances where we'll say it was like Brady Bunch and then I don't know what we would call it after uh, after that. Do you ever see Married with Children? I did see Married with Children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, good comparison. Yeah, so it was quite quite a a changing of the guard at an age where I was very influenceable. Like I was like 12-ish when this all happened. So like I was old enough to understand it but not wise enough or old enough to be able to like digest it probably and have a good – like it was very, very influential years. Um, And I think like most people is like, you know, you just suppress that shit down, right? (laughs) really do. But you don't realize that you carry those experiences with you in life. Now, I, I'll go through this because this is the thing that really helped me. This is the thing that was like really like absolutely was changed the game for me is that um, I grew uh, my first company to a certain point and then sold it off. Okay, so I grew one business, got it to a certain point and a certain level of challenge. And then I sold that and moved into the next business. And this was a completely different business. So the first business was a marketing agency. And then the second business, we'll just say, was in the um, like BPO or recruitment industry. So they're not alike, not alike at all. Actually, I lie. They're, they're a little bit alike in ways, but very, very different businesses. And do you know what was really fascinating to me? Do you know the most fascinating thing about this experience? That you weren't aware of it? or 
got to the same level with the same challenges with the same problem, even though the business was different and the people were different. Glass ceiling. Yeah, um, and I'm looking at this and I go, I, I, how can this be so? Different business, different time. I was even living in a different place and I was like, what's the common denominator? Oh, crap. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think for people that haven't had an experience where their awareness gets pulled into that it's them, like they are the problem, and I know you've actually had similar experiences yourself, Grant, um, is that if you never have that awakening or awareness, what ends up happening is a lot of people like carry these subconscious money beliefs and psychology into their life, not realizing that they're running them, number one, but number two can actually work on them and change them. So again, I'd been very fortunate that I'd, I'd looked at, oh, hang on, I didn't know anything about business and I was able to learn business skills if I don't know anything about like psychology or like personal development, we'll call it here, yep. surely like I can just pay someone who's already achieved the thing, like by no means was my upbringing or circumstances or money beliefs that bad that someone hadn't fixed worse money beliefs or had more challenging circumstances. So I'm like, cool, this is just like when I learned Google ads, find a course, find someone who's done it, copy the shit out of them. Find the methods that work for them, bring it into my own life, and off we go. So I did uh, several uh, like uh, courses and programs, one or, or two of which I should say, were very, very focused on fixing money psychology. And I, I would argue probably one of the most influential skills I've picked up because it completely changed the way I looked at money and then reflected my actions and thoughts and decision-making, which I know we're going to get into some of these key ones here, which change my ability to make money and grow wealth. Like I wouldn't have happened without it. I would go on the record here and we'll, we'll use a nice play on words. Money psychology is one of the critical full stack skills you will need to build wealth inside and outside your business. If you're missing this, you can have all the best opportunities, the best business model, all of it, and still end up broke. Yeah. I, before I sort of dive a little bit deeper into a bit of my story, like, what was the thing? Because it's it's a very enlightened individual to understand that psychology and approach to money is the gap, right? Uh, and actually, I will share my story. So, bit of a Brady Bunch. Parents still married to this day. Um, dad worked in the same job for like 40-something years and literally like stability through the roof. Uh, and then mum was a stay-at-home mum and then she went and did a job as we sort of went through schooling and stuff only because I think she probably would have been bored at home. Um, and then we all went out and we all basically went to university and or different courses and stuff like that. And it was like, it was a very basic thing. We never spoke about money, but money was never a really big problem. Like, sure, we didn't have extravagant holidays and all those kind of things, but it was not, I mean, there was no sort of uh, perception that we didn't have enough or a perception that we had too much, right? So it's not like there was good foundational sort of money education being put there, but that was not the other. Like, it wasn't like anyone was kind of scared about it. Um, and so in my business journey, it actually took me a while to hit up against the concept of psychology of money being a barrier for me. And it was only because I was asking the wrong questions. So I would get to a point in business and just through brute force, because I'd look at it and I'd be like, well, it's either the business or it's me. I just need better business skill sets. And just through brute force, I was looking for these one, two, five percent incremental improvements through better business skills. Because that was the question I was asking myself. I was just going, well, who's made more money? I'm just going to follow what they've done. 
well, okay, what they've done doesn't apply to me anymore. Well, who's made more money as well? I'll pick up what they've done <laughs> and I'll continue to push that as opposed to going, why is there something that sits underneath this? Like, is there some other kind of view? And so what was that trigger point for you to acknowledge that, hey, doing more or tweaking your approach in business is not going to solve it or get you to that next layer, that it's it's something underlying, it's something that's sitting there? Yeah, that, that's a really great question. Is like I, w- I would say in my circumstance is that um, Bianca was a big cause here. My wanting to provide for her and realising my current level of being able to earn wasn't going to get us to where we needed to be. So like there was like a pain, right? Yeah. It's like pain's an incredible motivator that will force people into change. And there's, there's so many good examples of this, but you'll find in a lot of cases that my uh, want and desire to be able to look after my family and provide for them overcame these things where it was like I was forced into a solution. And you hear stories of this all the time, right? Like it's like how many people have like, you know, heard the, the narrative of a mother lifting up a car to save a baby. Yeah. Had to do it. How many times uh, have we heard uh, – I'll give you another example. Like I, I used to race bikes quite a lot. Do you know when I would get my PBs or whenever I would get my uh, performance bests? Were did bears chasing you? Racing. Yeah. Because it's like it doesn't matter how hard I would train on my own, I could never reach that level. But if it was coming down to winning a race, somehow I would find this like extra level. The demand for more was there. Yeah. And um, I think that's a a really interesting thing. And for a lot of people, what forces them to change is not just like this brute force thing. And even in your example here, there's some underpinning desire to make a change. Yeah. Uh, I I think that that is one of the pinnacle points, uh, which has been a theme through full stack and will continue bringing up, which is like asking better questions of yourself, (laughs) right? Whether it is like the psychology of money, it's just like that question of like, how am I approaching money? How am I approaching business? How am I approaching these things to actually solve the right problem? So I'm curious, like thinking about that whole sort of, I need to change my psychology when it comes to money in order for me to actually generate better wealth for Bianca and the family that you've raised, et cetera. Uh, do you want to share sort of one of the biggest takeaways that you sort of learned from this that really changed some fundamentals for you? Oh, well, that is a very, very difficult question to um, answer is like one point. I think there's several. I think there's many. Um, I would say that the one of the things that like um, helped me the most was the idea being that, um, geez, I'm trying to frame this up in the right way. Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to come back to that because I know there's some points we've got in this episode we want to really hit on um, for like areas where people can make a move. But I do think that one of the things that helped me the most is developing the ability to be good at change. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely is. And I know it's, I didn't want to, I almost didn't want to say it because it was in the episode notes for later on. <laughs> for like, later. So, so I've just ruined this podcast for everyone that's listening. I feel like we're on a really good tangent there, but um, I'll go with the, well, let's dig into our points and things because we've, we've put this down to three points that I think will help people a lot here when it comes to like money psychology. And point number one, which we'll dive into from here, which was a great question as well, Grant. Damn you. Um, it completely past, stuffed you up. <laughs> well, past experience bias, I think, is a really important thing. And everyone does this. Everyone does this. Like where they've had something happen. So in my case, like the thing growing up with my parents, where I've gone, okay, like money's tight. And then for the rest of my life, I carry around that with me 
and then I bring it into business. Yeah. So I'll give you one I really see often, and I'm sure you've seen this often in others, is like when a business owner starts out in business, the first few years are really hard and you have to be careful with money. But then that becomes their bias and then their business does get better and instead of investing in their business, what they do is they hold on to their cash and then they underinvest in their business because they're worried there won't be any money. The scarcity of money comes into it, that past experience, and then that prevents them from actually growing, holds them back. But it was it, it's interesting you say that because uh, it's two stories that I have uh, to relate to that one personal one in, one in business. Like in business, uh, one of the challenges that we had in one of the software companies that I've mentioned before about when sort of we had to make a couple of people redundant and uh, sort of myself and another co-founder had to step into the business, we were like quite strapped for cash for a year, two years. And so the the approach to building the business was like on an oily rag. Right, like the mentality was like, how do we do more with less, as opposed to this like really big abundance? And then we get to a point of like really growing, getting good money in the door, getting good sales, and etc. And that was the point that I actually said, I think we need other people to come in. Like I've got this ability to go and crush it when it's like on an oily rag and make it more profitable and sort of help out with sales and stuff like that. But it's now at a point where I think someone who has a more abundant sort of approach to this steps back in. And goes crazy with this because I'm like, I'm running this thing like I was for a year or two when times were tough. But I'm like, I don't want to evolve into that next step and change into it because I think it's actually better for the entire organization to understand someone else coming in. So we brought in a new CEO, new chief product officer, new CFO and said, take this from where it is now back to a profitable business and just go crazy. And that that was because of the understanding of going, well, I've got this personal bias of I'll just keep going on an oily rag for profitability, <laughs> which is not going to help this software company get to its next level. And then from a- How yeah, many businesses a, are out there that think they can't afford the best talent, that they have to meet a budget? Like, Why can't exactly. your business afford the best talent? Maybe your business would do better if you had better talent. Maybe most of your problems you have today is because you've got B players on your team when you need the A players to get it done. Yeah, or I can't charge more because why? Because I've always charged this same same amount. It's like, well, that makes no sense. But it's this past bias that sits into going, okay, well, now what are you actually impacting? Uh, and then it, it was also the same for, <clears throat> for me with my personal bias in my upbringing, right? And there was this great uh, meme that I know you and I were talking about this last night, um, and it's not, not to take this somber, but it was a picture of two guys and one was like kind of looked homeless and he had like alcohol in his hand and stuff like that. And he was, and he's like, I'm an alcoholic because my parents were an alcoholic. And then there was another one who was like suited up quite successful and all these things. He's like, I don't drink alcohol and I'm successful because my parents were an alcoholic. And so it's not the fact that your, that your past experience determines where you're at. It's the interpretation of it and it's how you approach it. Right, like you can have two people who've got exactly the same past, or in our situation, two very different pasts for yourself and myself, Charlie, and we come to the exact same point. Well, how does that be? Right, it's because past experiences, if you understand this, don't have to determine where you're at. Like you, you need to understand, like that is not going to determine whether my parents were successful or not, or my business was successful or not. It doesn't determine where I'm going to be now. Like it's, it is I think a choice. The best example of that is siblings, right? And you yes. have the same thing. Me and my sister are so different, even though we've had a very similar upbringing. Mm-hmm. And it's like we got along uh, well growing up as well. It's not like we had anything uh, very different. 
So I look at it and go like, these are the best example. And I think any business owner who's got a brother or a sister who's maybe employed, it's like, well, why did you end up a business owner and your partner, ended up, oh, sorry, not partner, your siblings ended up employed? Like my sister's actually a cop, right? She's like, I, I think very opposite to me in many, <laughs> many ways. <laughs> uh, internet uh, entrepreneur versus uh, government cop. It's like, wow, that's a, a diabolical difference. Anyway, I, I just want to bring in one point here on like this past experience bias because um, I will say like one of the really good things that happened from me is like I had that awareness and change because there was discomfort, yep. right? Like I actually, like I didn't intentionally seek out feeling uncomfortable and then it, it happened. I didn't intentionally seek out a rough childhood experience with money and then it happened. The one that I have observed in other people though, it's like when things are like we'll say okay, Right, there is no polarization or extremes, is what ends up happening for a lot of people is they just uh, unintentionally or maybe even a little bit intentionally recreate what their parents did and that becomes their standard. So this is why you see things like people just buy houses where they're near their parents, you know, within that five kilometres of where they grew up and then subconsciously they go through life recreating all the same things that their parents did and then that psychology they bring to business and in turn they never generate a massive amount of wealth because that's not what their parents did. Mm. Now, fortunately, if your parents are super wealthy and they're passing on wealth principles and you only see your dad or mom or combination of two absolutely crushing it with money, you might get some of these things. But I would say that's not the standard for who we know or no way. what that tends to happen. It, Yeah. I... <clears throat> This personal bias, uh, it, I, I actually relate it as well to decisions that you have made. Um, and geez, there's so many stories that I'm like <laughs> trying to make sure I don't continue. So riffing off it, like I look at it <clears throat> as well from the sense of, well, have you made a positive decision in the past that has set you up for a bias now? So imagine this uh, you can't even ask that question because that's just yes for everyone. <laughs> Correct, <laughs> but it is now. So it's not even from an upbringing. It's like in business, it's like, oh well, this is how I always did sales or marketing, right? And now I've got a personal bias that the best way to do, I don't know, generate leads is through paid ads, and I have this personal bias that is unfounded, <laughs> right? There is no, there's nothing that really supports that moving into the future. But what I'm trying to lean into is the fact that, well, no, this is how all businesses will be successful. So in your example, when you've gone from one business to like a BPO business, it's like, well, I just I have a personal bias to do exactly the same things there here and I'm sure it'll work. Well, it did. But it, it got the company to the same level. <laughs> to be clear, I was profitable and making money, but it just wasn't, the, um, wasn't to the level I'd hoped. I thought the business was the difference when I was like, yeah. the, I was the difference. What is it? Boat six and it's, boat two. The Jocko. Boats. Is that the right Wilkins, extreme, extreme ownership. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So. But the, <laughs> I'm going to uh, – one of the interesting things before we jump on to sort of the next point, and this sounds so terrible, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, there was a point, and I remember I was in my early 20s where I was like reading uh, all about like Richard Branson. It just came out. It was his first book, and I was sort of reading about these entrepreneurs where I actually felt that I – I was never going to be as successful as all of these other people because I never went through the same adversity that they went went through, whether it was like dys dyslexia, a broken home, like being like homeless or like not having money and stuff. Like I actually thought, like I got to a point where it was so embedded in me that I thought that my parents had done me a disservice because they had 
literally ran me like a Brady Bunch, which is like the dream for everybody because I'm like, I need more fire. And the way that I get more fire in my belly is if I had faced more adversity growing up. Like that, dead set, that was one of my beliefs. Do you think that's true though? Because I, I must say, people that have faced strong adversity, I have seen, and my bias on that is they tend to be very driven. Hugely. And that's so I saw everybody around me, uh, like who were crushing it, had like these great, like a mate of mine, Harry, he was like sleeping under a bridge at the age of 16 and now he's crushing it. And I'm just like, <laughs> but. I, I don't think it's done me a disservice. I just think I needed to interpret those things better through sort of. It doesn't, it's not a good book or a good movie if you had the perfect life. It's like, yeah, here's Grant right. with his perfect life. He's successful now. End movie. <laughs> I got like another. Like, we oh, should go to Warner man. Brothers with that script, right? We'll see how we do. <laughs> terrible script. Yeah. That, and it was, it was interesting because I actually thought I was, I'm like, I'm already playing with a handicap here. I'm like already being held back. How funny. It's. <laughs> It's like not Inter- what you want interpretations. To it's in, exactly. it's all of that. And I before we jump into this next point is like I I would just really I was one of those people that brushed off the idea of dealing with like your upbringing or things that have happened in your past. And like you might go, oh look, nothing traumatic has happened or nothing big, or maybe you've had traumatic and you and you uh, were choosing to ignore it. I do think and believe that dealing with that stuff can unlock massive amounts of potential in people. And there's many ways to go about it. I'm not going to pretend I have the, all the solutions, but it's like there's many great personal development programs and courses and things out there. One of the ones I'm a big advocate for is Martini, Dr. Martini's work. Awesome. I'm such a fan of the stuff he does, but there's many, many good ones out there as well. But just doing some of it, I think people will be surprised if they haven't tackled that area of their life. I'll use an analogy here. It's like you've been going to the gym the whole time, but you've never done – squats you've been doing everything else it's like well maybe if you added squat in squats in it might level you up in other areas of your life all the all the people who just keep doing squats for like 10 years until one person shows them how to do it right <laughs> and they're just like what i could have got these results right. for so long let's jump so, on to the next point here because this one's a goodie as well all right so number two i'm gonna i'm gonna lead in for you and i'm gonna let you riff off this one so the interesting point that I see with a lot of people that, are, that I've even been talking to during sort of last couple of years as we know what it was and even talking to now is that they think that it's going to be the same as it is today forever. So look at the property growth that we saw over the last couple of years and everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is just going to keep going crazy. But then when they're looking at it, like, hang on, wait, it changed? <laughs> Like, what do you mean things aren't always going to be the same as they are today? Like, this is one of those kind of biases, I'll call them, where people will just say, this is this is how it's going to stay. Like, have you sort of faced this yourself, uh, where you have made decisions thinking that things are going to stay the same as they are today? So, I would make the argument on all the points we're going to talk about, nothing today, on the ones we're going to talk about today, anyhow, this is the point that has made me the most money. I would say that something I have been uh, excelled at, something that's helped me a lot, is I've been very, very good at spotting trends and things that I think are going to change and then going all in on them before other people. And I'll give you some examples. When I uh, started my marketing agency, how I actually developed a, we'll call it an edge or significant advantage, is I was one of the first people to use Philippines talent. So while mm-hmm. everyone else was paying people, let's say, 80 grand a year to do these roles, I was able to uh, outsource and offshore that labor at about a third the cost. 
So for every one person someone had locally with an office and everything else that went with it, I had three. Yeah. And why that was so significant is I was able to go into, I was looking at this and going, the internet's getting better. The language barriers and cultural barriers are changing, like the world is becoming globalized. I think I'm going to be able to train offshore people to a level where we're going to be able to be substantially cheaper and that's going to be my edge. I'll go into these accounts and say, I'll run your account for half of what this other agency is doing. And that's how it can work. And it worked. And mm. there was this whole idea at the time, like, oh, you couldn't possibly outsource this stuff. You need a Melbourne office. Right. So you can imagine. Um, and you know what? I had, to, I had to hide we were using outsourced labor because people were like, like yes. we laugh today. Like everyone uses outsourced labor. It's like, oh, you got yeah. a VA? Of course you've got a VA. You're an idiot if you don't have a VA. Yeah. But at that time, that was such like contrarian and different thinking. So that um, that way of thinking about things served me very well to the point where the second business I ended up in, as I said, was like BPO and recruitment because everyone got on the board on this. So I spotted that trend really well. Bringing this to investing though um, and the other side of the fence is like it's funny when I talk to my mum about certain suburbs and how she thinks about them. So uh, there's a suburb, I'm trying to remember what it is, Northcote. Northcote in Victoria, and she's like, oh, it was a bit rough around there growing up. I'm like, I don't think I rough. can afford to look at the houses in North, Northcote. It's trendy and hipster, and, and of course I, I can. I joke when I say that, but can you see that her psychology and belief is like if you grow up in an area, you think it's going to be like that forever. That's your interpretation yeah. of it. So like, and I'm sure in every state, and I'm, I think there's an area in Queensland, Logan, which is and I think that's a region where it's like you watch people get fired up about it. Or uh, Frankston in Victoria is another one where there's all these suburbs where we've got this belief that, oh, it was rough there once. It'll be rough there forever. And one of the things that's actually served me very well is I bought in an area that had a bad stigma and then it went through that gentrification uh, process and, like, I made a killing mm -hmm. because everyone else thought not to buy there. Another really good example of this is uh, when the, um, we'll call it the, uh, what do they call it? I, mean, I, I think you're allowed to call it the big C anymore. Just call it big C. We'll go Big with that. C, the uh, endeavors of the last few years that would leave us to stay in our homes. That that one. That I think one. people know what I'm talking about now. Something you might put something over your face for like, <laughs> like this. Uh, anyway, uh, just trying not to get flagged by the YouTube algorithm here. Nonetheless, is when that first broke out, how many people like, the, oh, the world is going to end. It's all over. Yeah, yeah so I, I think I've spoken about this on the uh, podcast before. One, one of uh, the best investments I've ever made is when that first happened, I actually bought a property in New South Wales. And what's funny is we offered $100,000 below what they were asking and they didn't even counter. See, they're going, damn, I should have offered less. I should have. Um, and then over the next few years, so just imagine this, let's pretend the property was a million dollars. I offered them 900,000. They accepted it instantly and wanted a quick settlement. So probably could. Because <laughs> if you thought the world is ending, of course you want to offload this Perfect. thing as quick as possible. Yep. And then we went on to have two really strong years in that area. And like I made a significant investor or invest, a re investment return really, I should say there. So they're just different examples of like how people think things are going to stay a certain way and they don't. And that every time that I've been able to kind of capture some of that, I've got like, I wouldn't even say like, it's more than significant gain. They are my most successful investments has been when I've been able to capture something that is, I believe is going to change in the world and then go in on it. 
Mm. It's almost like uh, contrarian uh, views or counter-cyclical views. Well, you're looking at the opposite. I'll bet it's the same for you, though. Like, look into your own situations where you've had, like, significant wins, not like okay wins, but you likely were seeing something other people didn't because they were assuming things were going to stay as they are. And to that point, I'm also seeing things now. Like I was talking uh, on the weekend, I caught up with uh, my grandma and my parents. Um, and one of the interesting points, I'm like, oh, I think the, the market's going through this new bench of like a million dollars in, in Melbourne and Sydney. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe things are now a million dollars in certain suburbs and stuff. Right? And majority of these inner suburbs, like everyone's like- Which oh suburb in Melbourne isn't a million dollars now? It's like ridiculous. But that's, and then everyone's like, oh, this is crazy. I'm like- no, that's you assuming that things should always be how they used to be. So I was talking to my parents and grandma and they, they fell off their chair when like in a sort of city places went above 100 grand. They're like, this is ridiculous. This is going to drop down. This is not normal. This is, And I'm like, you notice that that's just you thinking that things are always going to be the same. Well, Grant, why is every Australian entitled to own a house? Yeah, where like where did this come from? Like maybe we're going to end up like Europe where most people don't end houses. And they rent. Yeah, so if they're, you're sitting there feeling like the entire, things are going to stay the same, you're entitled to own a house in Australia, maybe that changes. And that's – I always look at this as like the luck versus risk factor, right? So uh, – and, and it actually overlaps a little bit with like number one, that personal bias. Like sure, you could have lucked it and you could have won with something and going, oh, if I do that again – I'm going to win again because that's the way things always are when in actual fact, no. So to your point around business, so I lent in to offshore staff very early as well, uh, which- uh, I would argue the reason we're both successful is we lent into the internet early. Yeah, super early. And so I was doing SEO when there weren't that many other companies doing SEO. And uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, and I was marketing. butchering SEO when there wasn't that many SEO companies. <laughs> I was butchering paid ads. Don't you worry. You can get better returns on SEO. It's like putting money in a bank and it paying interest out. It's better than ads. Where ads, you also pay to play. You stop paying, you stop playing. Don't worry. Well, uh, <laughs> so I lent in so hard that I actually found that I'm like, oh, the better way for me to scale this business is just bloody move to the Philippines. So I moved to the Philippines where my staff were. And now I didn't force them into the office at the time and stuff like that. But I'm just like, this is a trend that I'm going to be able to lean into. And like to this day, I still talk to people a lot about culture and how to work with offshore staff and things like that. But the interesting thing, uh, not to sort of relate a very similar story, was actually at the end of when I stopped doing SEO. So I started having a lot of friends who were very successful at SEO. And I said, this trend of profitability is going to stop. I'm like, there is so this is a commodity now. There is no skill. Like people don't understand what they're buying. They don't understand good versus bad providers and things like that. This is just there and there's a million people offering the same service. You need to build a better business model because the the heydays are done. And so I spoke spoke to quite a few uh, friends of mine and quite a few of them are actually doing very well about saying, okay, we'll take your skills and focus, focus them internally. Like build your own assets and sort of make your money off your own assets not trying to make money in a now a flooded market. This is the whole blue ocean versus red ocean kind of concept. And so that was me going, well, things aren't always going to be the same where people are coming into this market going, oh my gosh, there's so much money to be made here. And I'm like, no. So prices went down, profit margins went down. Um, every time you're talking to people, it was always like, how can it be cheaper? And I can get like this an Indian person that's just pinged me and it's so much cheaper, et cetera. And looking at that going, okay, well, things just aren't always going to be the same. 
where is that next opportunity? What is the thing that's coming down the line that I should be looking at? Which is, to your point, kind of counter-cyclical in the sense that, well, that's not what everybody was doing. Everyone was turning into single SEO providers, like just one-man bands being an SEO provider with some offshore staff. And I'm like, yeah, it's just too many people stepping into that. So that was one of the main things that I'm just like, just can't base your decisions now of thinking that everything's always going to be the same way. I'll share an insight here that I, again, learned through some of the training I did. Um, I remember like I was sitting down with one of my mentors and he explained something to me. He's like, everything happens in cycles Mm. or seasons was the word he used. So he's like, the weather's got seasons. Your, like your body will go through seasons. Like, you know, being a kid is very different than being a teenager. Being a teenager is very different than when you're in your 20s and so on. Like you before having kids and after having kids, having elderly parents, being a grandparent, like there's all these different cycles and stages of life you're going to go through and change. And he goes, don't you see that your psychology is broken? Because if you think things are going to be the same and you're not just not acknowledging like biology, (laughs) (laughs) the the weather, (laughs) like it's like counter, like you think that today is how it's always going to be. And like, it's, it's very interesting when you start to look at the world like that. Businesses have cycles, like businesses existed a hundred years ago are very different than businesses existed today. Fundamentally. Yeah. So that's something to tap into and use to your advantage, not something to ignore. Yeah. I am. And I, I always look at it. And one of the best things that came out of a university course that I studied a decade ago was that 10 to 15 years, most of the businesses that are around now won't exist. And so I was always going, am I at the, four, am I at the step one of this or am I at the step the last step of this, like 10 to 15 years, like, or am I in the middle? I mean, if I'm in the middle, I can play that game, but I've got to be aware of when it's kind of tr- downtrending because I'm like, there are very few businesses that last centuries, especially nowadays. Like I, I know that's a trend that I just need to be aware of, which comes back into your seasonality. I'll um, recommend two things on this or books. Cause I think they're great. The fourth turning um, it's Neil something. I can't remember his last name, but um, really good. I want to say Neil Strauss maybe, but don't hope into that. I think he was the game author, but yes. Okay, well, it might be someone else. Maybe another book I've also read at a point in my life. The game. <laughs> uh, anyway, and then the other one I think is really good is by Howard Marks, Mastering the Market Cycle, because that's mm. that one's really um, – and why I love these two is the fourth turning is actually on people. It's like it's actually about the generational change, about you know when the next generation becomes the dominant one, so the boomers versus the millennials, yep. where mastering the market cycle is purely about business cycles and investing cycles. So when you read the two of them and you sit there and it's like, oh, wow, it highlights these points, you know, in a really, really strong way. But let's jump into point three, Grant, Let's because this is the one we've already ruined in part of the episode. So let's let's make the most of it. I'm going to validate Howard Marks' book. Uh, Howard Marks in general, just fantastic thinker. Definitely Pretty. fanboy. <laughs> fanboy not. Oh, as, uh, me, me as well. I wasn't saying that direct to you. Like I think we are both fanboys of Howard Marks. I, uh, off camera, there's a shrine for him. So we've got – so we've talked about – past experience bias where what you have been sort of succumbed to in the past has kind of driven some kind of bias, whether it's positive or negative, it depends on each person's sort of individual scenario. Spoken about how thinking things will always be the way they are and making decisions based off that and how that can impact it. The the commonality that kind of sits between them all is people's resistance to change or people's resistance to sort of being accepting of things just being different, right? Like it's like 
I don't want things to change. Well, just because you don't want things to change does not mean they're not going to change. I don't want housing prices to stabilize going over a million dollars from now. Just, just please just don't do that because I don't want it. Well, no, you're probably going to have to adapt <laughs> to some of that change. Was this one of the, the challenges that you overcame or was this one thing because of business that you were always adapting to change of like offshore people, working with offshore staff, uh, moving into the internet with businesses, et cetera. Like, was this thing something that you had to learn or for yourself, was this something that you're like, ah, oh, this is pretty intuitive, I, I get it? I think learning where this comes from. So I want you to like, let's go back in time, thousands of years. If you got uh, back when there was like tribes, okay, so we're like cave people in this example, right? If you got excluded from your tribe, you died. Yep. Right. That's what happened. So in our like deep, 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 deep psychology, like the old part of our brain, like what is wired in is being different and it will and getting excluded from your tribe leads to death. Completely. Yeah. So what do you think that leads to? Everyone following the crowd. Everyone trying to be the same as each other so they don't get excluded. Yep. Right, And this is where you hear things like the madness of crowds. So like your very survival depends on you staying in your tribe. And if that changes, like you die. That's what we all have deep within us in the old part of our brain. So if you bring that forward to today, you can see that if you're different than everyone else around you, that wiring and firing of, oh, I better not be too different has us resist change because yep. we don't want to be different. It's actually dangerous to be different, but it's not actually true. Right. So, I mean, to a degree, I'm sure you can be different enough where it is dangerous. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> there's, but, always, there's always extremes. Yeah. So, knowing that's wired in all of us is like the, this resistance is something we come out of the womb with. Like yeah. it is actually in us. It's dangerous. Right. So, that's uh, something where I realized it. The second thing I, I didn't necessarily understand is that uh, you're forced into change. So, just as you get older, you're forced to change. Having children, forced to change. Yeah, well, I would make the argument, you know, when you're 80, you might have to be forced not to use stairs. You're forced yep. into that change. Um, I don't know if that's true. I actually want to dominate the stairs when I'm 80, but that's a different story. <laughs> Majority for of people. Correct. So, like, change is forced upon us. But I think the thing that really hit for me was, like, change is a skill. Mm. Like, you can actually intentionally go about this, and if you bring this awareness to it, it can dramatically change your outcomes. I got a great story of this um, from when I was uh, golfing, of all things. All right, so I'm at the um, uh, golf lesson. I'm, like, wanting to get better with uh, my driver at this point here. I kept kind of, like, hitting the ball in, like, was, like, a little bit of a hooky pattern, and I wanted to hit a fade pattern. And uh, I get over the golf ball, and I've got the driver in my hand, and, like, the guy's like, okay, well, you know, we you to move this here, do this, and then I want to want to hit your ball. And I, I'm doing his things, and I, I wind it back, and I hit it. And he goes, how did that feel? I said, different. He said, good, because if it felt the same, you're doing it wrong. <clears throat> and I was like, I stopped for a moment and I'm like, that is really interesting. <laughs> like it's supposed to feel different. Yeah. So if you've gotten to a certain point in your business or you're investing and it's like things are starting to feel like different, awkward, unusual, that's a part of it. It should mm. feel different. If it doesn't feel different, that should actually be a concern because you're just doing the same stuff. So I, I once like I had this like epiphany of it is like, ah, oh. it's just like if I put my hand on a, a hot stove, it should feel hot. 
right? It's actually a, a good feedback loop that uh, don't do that. Yeah. Or in this case here, do that. You should lean into that. So instead of things feeling like, again, in this golf example, it would be easy to go, oh, that felt different. I'm going to go back to what I was doing. Intentionally because- leaning into it is something you can bring into business and investing. Do I think it, this is where substantial returns exist also? Because yeah. if what you want, um, you don't have. So let's say you want to uh, make an extra million dollars, but you're not currently, you don't have that today. Well, whatever you're doing isn't going to get you there. You're going to have to change something. Like it, you will need to change and be different to get that outcome. And I think because we all have, whether it's uh, like oh, really aware to us, we all have those feedback mechanisms, right, which is a business that hits a glass ceiling where you go, oh, something needs to change here. Uh, whether it's someone sitting there saying, does it feel different? It should feel different. Like I, I remember at Tiger Woods, they they timed him. For every golf swing that he hit at the practice range, it was seven minutes between each one because he was looking at what he needs to change. He was getting coaching on what he needs to change. Um, and everyone sort of gets that, whether it's spoken or not spoken, but it's what people do with that information. And what I see a lot of people do is they will blame other things to avoid that change. It is, in my business, the reason I'm hitting a glass ceiling is because of my employees, because of the market, because of my customers. I can't charge more. All of these things where, no, it's actually just you're resisting change. Um, The reason that I'm not making money is because uh, interest rates are going up or that uh, inflation is around or these things exist. And it's like, no, (laughs) you're just resistant to change, resistant to thinking about how to solve the same problem in a different way. You are now looking at any other escape because it is easier than looking at yourself to make that change. How many times have you seen this one? Let's say a business has got no employees. They get an employee and then like everything changes. They have to manage someone. They're making less money because they're paying this and then they go back. Yeah, because it's easy, because it's comfortable. Right, like it's so much easier to stand in a warm shower than it is to turn it on to cold, right? But it doesn't mean that one's better than the other. Like that not having cold shower is better than having warm. Like I don't, I want to resist that change. I want to resist that pain. I want to, because I want to be on autopilot. I want to be normal. Um, and this, this is why I love that quote of uh, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, but also making the decisive choices to change. Like a lot of the times, like I, to the point where I actually lean more into myself where I will blame myself and look for things to improve myself for most of my situations to the extreme. And it's actually done me a bit of a disservice, to be fair. I am so supportive of change. It will actually – like there have been times um, that this has done a disservice for me where I have thought it was me that was a problem when it's actually a market or it was actually something else influencing it and i'm just like i did not need to change um and uh, yeah I'll, I'll go into the story that, that's at the top of my head so i'm i'm sitting in a boardroom seven other people who are mostly double my age at this time i was about 25 26 um and i was looking at a business that had a six million dollar sales pipeline and i'm like guys this sales pipeline has not converted in like six months nine months i'm like we need to start looking at raising some cash this thing it's just going to take time to convert. I'm like, I think they're all great opportunities. It's just going to take time to convert. Seven people came back. Grant, you do not understand this. I'm like, no, no, no. Like this, look at the trend. Like <laughs> this is, no, Grant, you need to understand how these things work. And so I actually went away going, 
well, shit, like, what am I missing? Right? And I then started looking for things to change in myself. When actual fact, three or six months later, they're like, you know, you were right. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, there are so many things where I overcorrected for this resistance to change because I'm like, if I'm the same as everybody else, I'm going to do it bad. And so then I became so different where I'm just like, oh, this is crazy. And then, yeah, this scenario then made me believe that I'm like, oh, wow. No, it's actually, now I'm too supportive of change <laughs> where I'm trying to change myself too much when in actual fact there are other sort of situations in at play. Well, you see this in plenty of areas as well, right? It's like um, where someone finds a conspiracy theory that turns out to be true. Yes. And then they like, before you know it, they're one of those people that's like, was the moon, was the moon landing real? Yeah. And then because they're so what is it? Like so contrarian. Like they're so. Yeah, then they, they become just, instantly wired to whatever anyone else is saying. Well, I'm not going to. Yeah, completely. But that's also what makes this so difficult, right? Is because there's truth in both of them. At times, you can very much be dealing with an environmental issue, or it could be a you issue. Mm. But I would say I don't think it. Ta- there's no advantage in sitting there and going, "Well, I'm just going to um, assume it's always the environment." Right. It's like where I think developing yourself personally and working on some of your own skills and psychology, that's within your control. For me, I always look at my situations of like if I'm matching someone else, like I, I have to change to the point that if someone – like I ever had a guy come up to me before and it's like I, I dislike going out with you, Graham, because you don't know how to drink and have a good time. All you want to do is talk about self-improvement and all these kind of things. I'm like, yeah, because I'm fine with being completely different. Because that's what everybody's doing. This was in, in my 20s. I'm like, that's what everybody's doing. I don't want to do the same thing because I'm going to lead to the same outcome. I want to do something fundamentally different. That acceptance to be the black sheep and to be kind of the outcast just made me go and find people who were similar to me. And that was how I felt as though I adapted back into some kind of what, like herd mentality because I just changed the herd that I was with. <laughs> it's not like I got kicked out of society. I just went from this herd to that herd and now I'm like oh now I'm just in a group of people who just change all the time who are like a group of misfits if you will and so that was one way that I just adopted change which is surrounding myself with other people who adopted change to use your kind of caveman example yeah and I think this is going to keep happening throughout our lifetime it's probably one of the more difficult parts of change though is like a lot of people can uh, almost lean into the idea of like cool I can like change myself a little bit where it gets really difficult though is like what if it means you don't spend time with people that you actually like. Yep. So it's like maybe you've got a group of high school friends or maybe you've got a group of business owners now that it's like you're you're going to become very different to them and that's going to like your relationship with those people isn't going to be the same because when they want to go out to drinks on Friday night, you want to go and do an investing seminar. So like you uh, absolutely like that's some of the harder areas or maybe you're used to going to dinner with your family every night but instead, to get the results you want, you need to, I don't know, hang around other people because you're being influenced in that way. It can be very same, difficult. Yeah, same with same with business. I've had this business for 10 years. Like, what do you mean I'm going to have to change something fundamentally? Like, what do you mean? Like, it's been like this. Like, I don't want to change this. Or even in assets. Oh, this, this asset has provided me such good returns already. Why would I want to change? <laughs> why, would I, why would I want to change or improve what I'm thinking? Because, hey, it's done. Point number two, it's worked in the past, Charlie. I don't need to change until it doesn't. <laughs> until it doesn't. I, I, I want awesome. to turn this into some tips before we um, wrap this one up because I think it's a powerful episode. So just just to recap, this is that it's like if you were to listen to this episode and do three things, I, I think it would really – or work on these three things, I should say. 
I think the chances of you having a more successful business and building really massive generational wealth is like significantly improved. Agreed. Like you're moving the odds in your favor if you work on these three things. So regardless of whatever your upbringing is, um, I think going through your past and seeing how you perceive experiences, um, huge thing. I think it's a really powerful thing to make sure that you're not carrying any poor psychology or beliefs into what you're doing today that are holding you back. Agreed. And some people will think they don't have this. Everyone has it. This is like saying, oh, some people don't breathe oxygen. Everyone <laughs> breathes oxygen. All right. The next one in here is like I think the acknowledgement of what exists today won't be forever. And that yeah. goes both ways. Like if interest rates are rising now, they're not going to rise forever. They're not going to go down forever. Like you want to set yourself up to exceed, succeed in, in different environments, actually capitalize on it. Yep. When you capture those moments where you can see a change is coming, that's your advantage. That's your edge. And both, and it's both positive and negative on that as well. And then three, being a person that um, develops the skill of change. I think being better at change, handling change, someone who wants to change. Like I look forward to it and I think you do too now. I go, that is a superpower in a fast-moving world. Like yeah. that is something that like you look at those three things and I go, the person who works on these three things will be more successful in life, business, investing, all of it than the person who doesn't. And then there's – it's funny through this episode, like there's so many other points that like sit <laughs> in and around all of these others. Like, but I, I agree with you. These three gel so well together and almost create like this bit of a feedback loop. Do I have a personal bias? Am I expecting things to stay the same? What do I need to change? It's like this constant wheel. Well, if you utilize them all at the same time, like it's just, it's going to unleash. And to your point, Charlie, this is what has helped me be successful in business as well as in my investments because I always look for these things. Like oh, I'm aware that this is what I used to have. But wrapping this up, for anyone who's listening to this, if you aren't on the newsletter, you should be because we actually cover the topics like this and more. And it is designed to help enhance your full stack of skills to actually build wealth inside and outside of your business. So if you're not on the newsletter, go over to fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your details and we will actually give you an update every single time that we release these episodes. Now, if you've actually got a friend or someone in your network who is sort of coming up against some of these psychology challenges when it comes to money, whether in business, investments or otherwise, be sure to shoot them the link to this episode because it will help them as well as help you have a better conversation with them and support each other through change and personal biases, etc. And I just want to say thank you again for listening and we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Full Stack Business Owner.